Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to another episode of Relentlessly Resilient, where real people show real life experiences and the tools they've developed to move forward and live their best lives. I'm Jenny Taylor. And I'm Michelle Scharf. Today, we have a special guest um, talking about something different than just... uh, not just, but just but widowhood and funerals. <laughs> yeah, you, instead of those things, uh, a, a little bit different story, and I'm really excited to share. His name is Jeff Smith, and he uh, lives up in Davis County near me. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jenny and Michelle. I'm honored to be here. I just want to say one thing, a couple things. First off, before I get into my story. I want to thank you two for setting up this podcast. And I love the name Relentlessly Resilient. Oh, thank you. I, I looked up both of those words. And relentless means you don't give up. You just keep going. Yep. And resilient, resilient is you bounce back. So uh, I think that's what I'm trying to do is uh, bounce back from the trial that I've been going through basically for my whole life. Well, Jeff, we'd love to hear more about that because like Michelle said, sometimes it's easy in our mind to think that these trials tend to be widowhood or or burying a spouse or a child, which of course are are very hard trials to face. But your story is different. Tell us a little bit about you. Give us a little background. Introduce our listeners to you and your story. Um, And before I really get into the depth of my story, I want to say something about blindness in general. Um, Anybody out there, when you run across somebody that's blind, you might see them walking with a white cane or with a guide dog um treat them just like you would anybody else that's all we want as blind people we love to be just part of uh, society if it looks like the person you're seeing might need help maybe they'll look a little confused or something feel free to go up and you know tap them on the shoulder or something and just gently say can i help you and they'll either say yes or no but most of the time, we're, we're pretty self-reliant, and we like to be independent as much as possible. The other thing is, is don't worry about saying something uh, politically correct. We let we can we can handle it. We can use we can handle using and hearing the word blind. So that's no problem at all. And also, just talk to us normal. Don't talk to someone that's with us and act like we're not there. You know, we're part of the conversation too. Right. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that input right away. I, li- I like those takeaways for all of us. Good. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell us your story because yours is a little bit um, different. I I don't know what the percentages are, but you didn't, you weren't born blind. No, I was not born blind. But when I was born about 67 years ago now, uh, I, I, a nasty or a, a vicious little bug came with me, and it, it's a genetic defect in the retinas of my eyes. Okay. And so I, I had fairly normal vision for the first 
probably about 50 years of my life. It wasn't perfect. I always had night blindness, and I always had nearsightedness. So I did wear glasses, and I wore contacts part of the time, too. But uh, for the most part, I was able to live fairly normally. I had to give up driving uh, in 1978. No, not, 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 excuse me, 1987. Um, that was hard. But I, I still did have sight. I had sight up until I was about 50, as I say. And that was right around 2002 when the Winter Olympics were here. Because I still remember being able to see those. Oh, wow. But what happened with this, this uh, genetic issue, it's called retinitis pigmentosa. And it's a disease that gradually deteriorates and kills the cells of the retina. It starts from the outside. The peripheral vision works its way in. So for the last about five years before I lost my sight altogether, I could tell it was diminishing pretty quickly, even from day to day. You could um, you could notice a diminishment of your or you could notice a difference day to day. It was that yes. quick as it started yes. to go away. It was wow. that, yes. Now that that <laughs> started freaking me out. Uh, first of all, I never dreamed that I was going to lose my sight altogether. I had a, I have a grandfather that had the same disease and he's, he, he, he lived to be 90 and he still had some sight when he passed away, but my situation is different. Uh, so I, I could tell that my sight was getting worse each and every day. And it, it made me mad. Yeah, I bet. Angry. Very angry. Uh, you two wouldn't have wanted to be around me at that I, time. I have a hard time believing that because I know you personally, and you're, <laughs> you're one of the sweetest, kindest people I know. Yes, you and are. patient. Yes, patient. You. Well, that's what I had to learn. I had to learn all that. But when I was going through it, I wasn't so nice. I was very angry. I was very upset. I took it out on my sweet Mardine, my wife. It's a miracle she stayed with me through all that. Wow, really? I, I, I praise God every day that, that I have her because I was I was a beast. Wow. I was uh, walking around the house uh, angry, uh, everything. I didn't. I, I was resentful. Um, I had to give up a lot of my independence and my freedom, and in, in a way, I even had to give up some of, some of my what I thought was my manhood. Because so many of the things that a man is supposed to do, I couldn't do anymore. And Mardine had to do a lot of things for me and with me. And that was a very difficult time to, to get through all that. Except, know, Jeff, you bring, know, up, probably, you bring up such a good point that these individual trials where it's your eyesight in your eyes that are affecting your ability to see how it affects your relationship and the, the strain for your marriage or, you know, the... I can't imagine going from seeing to not seeing. Of course, if we were to interview someone who'd never seen, there would be their own challenges of never having been able to drive or never having been able to to enjoy the beautiful colors or the views or things. But an additional sense of loss to know what you're missing, I guess, is what I'm reflecting on right now, that you, you had that and then it was slowly taken away. You were able to do those things you felt were your role or your responsibility and then yes, lost that. Exactly. So it, yes, it is a loss. Yeah. It's a grief. The, the grief yeah. we yeah. all face in different ways. 
but it is a grieving process and it's no different than losing maybe a spouse or a loved one. You, you still have to grieve. Right. So I, yeah, you know, grief I, is, I did have sight for a long time and I consider that a blessing because I do remember what a beautiful sunset looks like. I remember what the mountains look like here along the Wasatch Front. I remember what my wife looks like, but I've never seen any of my grandkids. So oh. that's been, yeah. That's so sad. <laughs> but having uh, been able to see, it is good because I can remember. And when I, when I dream at night, I still dream visually. Oh, that's so, so interesting. That's really interesting. And that's cool because I'd love to go to sleep so I can dream and I can see things again. Oh, that's so amazing. What What yeah. is that memory like? Does the memories fade over time, do you feel like? Uh, or? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. But there are, you know, there are 50 years of sight. It's still quite a bit. Yeah. And um, I would say there are things that I have forgotten. But it, it is amazing, too, that I still do remember what a, a lot of things look like. Uh, now, I know that. Like in downtown Salt Lake, a lot of things have changed, a lot of new buildings and so forth. I still picture it the old way. And I can it's frozen it in time, time in your mind. Yeah. 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 Some things are frozen in time in my mind. That's really interesting. Uh-huh. I think about that with my spouse, losing my spouse. Do you ever think about that with Bram? You're yeah. going to age and you're going to be older than him one day. <laughs> and, and one day you're going to be you know, an 85-year-old woman, and you're going to be thinking about your sweet husband. and He's forever 39. Yep. Yep. Isn't that weird? So I, I imagine it's a little bit the same with you, Jeff. Like, you, you know, those memories are frozen in your mind. Yeah, a lot of them are. So that, let me tell you how I was able to overcome. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, When I finally got to the point where I was sick and tired of being angry and being hard to live with, I knew that couldn't continue. Continuing that way was not going to do any good for me or my marriage or any of my relationships. So I one day just sat down and thought, how am I going to do this? And I've got to do this. Please, um, God, help me. How long would you say you were in that bitter, angry phase? Was that a matter of weeks or months? Was it a few years? How how long did you just feel that agitation? Probably about two years. That's a while. Maybe maybe a little little less, but right around there. It is a while. That was was a long time. Yeah. That's that's too long. (laughs) Too long. But I just finally realized, like I said, I've got to do something here. And the thought came to me, and I remembered... Uh, a very critical and an important lifelong principle that I, I knew about already from being um, a religious person and attending church and so forth. And the thought came to me, you need to give this over to Jesus Christ, your Savior. And I didn't know how to do that exactly I just felt the power of of that and I thought about it I thought about it pondered it for 
I don't know, two or three days, and then finally I, I just got down on my knees in a private place, and I poured out my heart, and I said to God, I, I know you can take this from me. I don't want this burden any longer. I can't handle carrying this burden, and I don't need to. You've told me that my Savior, Jesus Christ, will take it from me. Here it is. I actually held out my hands like I was. Like you were handing it off to him. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And almost, almost immediately, probably immediately, I felt, I just felt the peace. I felt like everything was going to be okay. And it is. My life, and at that point, I just realized I have to be resilient. I have to, I have to be grateful for this trial, grateful to learn from it. And I have been, and I developed a kind of uh, some axioms that I decided I was going to live by. And there's the word of the day, axiom. Uh, here's, here's what they are. I decided not to complain. I decided to be positive. And that wasn't really that hard for me because I had grown up with positive parents that taught me the importance of being positive and being happy. And, and that was just a way of life with me early in my, in, my, uh, in my life. So I'll be positive. I decided I was going to not dwell on the past. There's nothing I can do about the past. I might be able to learn some things from some past mistakes or whatnot. But if I live in the past, then I am not able to recognize the blessings of now. And also I decided I need to give people a break. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Give them a, a, a pass go and realize that they're all dealing with issues. What they say or do to me isn't um, a reflection on me. It's a reflection on them. Right. So and then, I, then I learned later after reading the book, Loving What Is, by, by Katie, uh, maybe you, you've read it, some of you, uh, I learned to love what is. Even being blind, it doesn't matter, I can still love what is. And I decided that that was the way my life was going to be. I, I treat everybody as kindly as I possibly can because I love people. And that's kind of how Michelle and I met was I decided to get involved in politics in 2004. And, and it's been a great experience. I've met so many wonderful, good, honorable, kind, sweet people through politics. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, is we all think politics is like it either has to be Democrat or Republican or it's this ideology or that or whatever. But 
Really, politics is about having relationships with people and then working together on common goals. And um, I wish we could get back to that more in our country. Jeff, we're going to take a break and we're going to be right back. And um, I can't wait to talk to you more about the things that you shared and elaborate on a few things. And we'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. We're back with Jeff Smith. Jeff, you know, right before we went to break, you were talking about loving what is, and I believe that that was written by Byron Katie. Byron Katie, yes. She is fantastic. And what that triggered in me is we have had long discussions over the years about different books. And I remember, uh, I think I had, I can't remember if it was around the time I ran for county commissioner in Davis County or what, but you and I had talked and we were sharing about some books called, um, I think it's Circle of Prayer. And I don't remember the author. Yes. But we put each other in each other's prayer circles. Yes. Do you remember that? That's one of I our early know. connections. Thanks for bringing that up. I had forgotten that. I love those books yes. as well. That's one thing I really love about you. And I, I'm not super active in the church any longer. But um, the, the one thing I really love and appreciate appreciate about you is that you are really read, well-read. And you have really expanded your... Um, Self-development and and self-growth, uh, personal development uh, in a lot of different areas and not just necessarily in, in just one genre or one person's ideology. You're, you really like to spend time working on you. And I think that that's I think that's one of the things that I love most about you. It's a kindred, it's a kindred thing. A lot of our conversations when we do talk that can go on for hours and, um, and, and we get into some really great in-depth conversations. Yes, we do. And I, one of my great joys that I partake of now is, is reading. I read a lot of books. Um, when I say read, uh, I mean, listen to. Yeah. Audio. That's all right. Most of us it, listen to them. That's another great blessing to blind people these days is we can get almost any book in audio form, uh, either by downloading or through the blind library in Salt Lake. It's available. There's so much available to us. And, and I do take advantage of that. I read a lot. I, I read a lot of you know, novels, but as well on self-help books like that circle of prayer. And yeah. that was a powerful book, Michelle, that I, I really, that was not written by, I think it's a uh, Christian he, author. He was a Christian author. Yeah. From Washington, D.C. That's where his yeah. ministry is. Yes, that's and, right. 
Yeah, and it, what a difficult place. He had to move his his church, his you know, his where they met several different times. And yeah, that was a great story. An example of well, Resi- I, I I won't go into it, but it, it is yeah. a great book. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it's a great example of perseverance. Yes, and and so is loving what is with Byron Katie. She is amazing, and I know she's been to Salt Lake several times. And there are people here in the area that that know her and know of her and her work. And I believe her work is uh, powerful. And I recently found some something else that I've been involved in with with my sweet Mardine. It's called um, Fulfill Life Yourself. And I won't go into a lot on that, but the, the, one of the critical things I, I've learned there is as, as human beings, there are only three powers that we have that are completely within our power and our control. Number one is focus. What are we focused on? We have the right to choose that. We can choose where we place our focus. Secondly, after we've chosen the focus, we can decide what meaning we're going to put on that focus. Is that is the meaning, is it important or is it not important or somewhere in the middle? And then lastly, what, what is our attempt, what, what is our action to engage in that focus and that meaning? And again, we have a choice there. So in a lot of things in my life, I've chosen to focus on the good, focus on the positive. And even though I'm blind, I wear rose-colored glasses. I love it. I, look, I, love I always that. look good in people. I, I love people. As I said, I always try to bring out the best in people. I listen to people. I let them speak. I, I want to hear what they have to say. And everybody likes to talk about themselves. And if you just listen, you'll hear some amazing things. And, and that's what I like to do is, is just uh, treat everybody kindly. Um, try to bring out the good. Be positive around people. Nobody likes a grump or a complainer, right? Yeah, it's true. And I, I have to say that those things are very true about you. I love your axioms to not complain to be positive, not dwell on the past, and to give people a break. Let's take a few of those in pieces, though. You know, it's great not to complain, but I also think it, it's really important to to, um, to speak your truth and to speak mm-hmm. about your um, disappointments or your unhappiness or or whatever that grief is. Like, you know, concerns. one of the things that Jenny and I are cautious of on the show is that we don't want people to feel we didn't want to do a show where there wasn't a real depth of honesty right so mm-hmm. I, I totally get what you're saying like yeah we we don't want to stay in the complaint but it's okay no. to speak your complaint it, just like you stayed for two years angry and in grief and in process mm-hmm. and sometimes we just need to give ourselves permission to be in that process yeah, and, and realize that it is a process. It is. And, and but, it's not the end of the world. But wait, what we we go through in life is the end of the world until the end of the world does come. But right. in the meantime, there is so much good in the world. The world is full of good people and goodness and happiness and joy. 
And and we have the choice to look at look for that and go through the process of finding joy and being happy. Right. Uh, so. And and it's not really I mean, I guess some people could say, well, he really is looking through the world in rose-colored glasses and kind of think of it in more of a negative term. But it's really true that um, I think that we are so focused, especially in this year and this past year, we've had the pandemic. We've had an intense political process. We we are more divided in our extremes of, of our political factions than we have been in a long time. I wouldn't say ever, um, but um, definitely we are hearing about it on such a constant level that it would be yeah. really easy to just believe that the world has gone to hell and, and it's not worth saving and, and we're all screwed. <laughs> Jenny, has the world gone to hell? <laughs> no, I certainly don't think we can sit back and let it. I do. I do no. have a question. No. I have a question for you, yeah. Jeff. That's kind of building off what Michelle said. I love your axioms as well. I can hear the positivity mm-hmm. in your voice. Yep. And I do agree. I think to a degree, rose co- rose colored glasses. We should put them on every day uh-huh. and acknowledge that we have them on. And I'm choosing to see positive. I'm choosing to find meaning in my trials. I love the things you said. I'm choosing to learn from the past rather than get stuck there. I mean, you have a lot of reasons to get stuck in your past. Yeah. Because 20 years ago, you could see things and and now you can't. So tell us and kind of tying this into resilience. What do you do when maybe your rose-colored glasses feel a little broken? I would imagine that sometimes they're hard to put on. Sometimes you feel like they're foggy or blurry or they just have gone black. At least I know mine have. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I try to be positive. I feel terrible when I'm too negative, when I let myself be too sad, when I let myself stay in the darkness too long. But let's be honest, we all get there. Mm-hmm. How, how Jeff, have you found, are there certain things you do? Are there certain people you reach out to? What helps you kind of pick yourself back up when surely at some point you still feel in the darkness, even though you've got this great positivity? Surely sometimes you struggle. How do you pull yourself back to that rose-colored world? Well, boy, good question, Jenny. Um I really try hard to keep those rose-colored glasses on without getting them broken. I, but like you say, there are times. I, I think one of the, the best ways I've found to bounce to be resilient uh, in that regard is friends. Um, I have been blessed to have some absolutely amazing friends come into my life in the past few years. As I said, some of them through politics, some of them just through neighbors, um, friends of friends even. I consider someone a friend as soon as I meet them. It's true. And um, and I have a really good friend here in Farmington, my neighbor. We've been good friends for 20 years. And we go walking. <laughs> I'm going to sound like a couple of old ladies here, but. We hey, go walking every morning. Old ladies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we go out walking at 8 o'clock in the morning every day except Sunday. And I tell you that we're, we're brothers from other mothers. And uh, <laughs> uh, my goodness, we, uh, we, we share everything with each other. And um, that's really uh, how... I think I'm able to keep the the rose-colored glasses on. And and as well, um, I'll, a little warning here, 
I go to church every week. I love going to church. I love my my beliefs. I love my faith. I believe in Jesus Christ. I don't. I haven't stopped um, uh, giving these things over to, to my Savior. I still do that every day, and I really think that that that's the key. I just I believe it with all my heart. There are trials in life; we all have them, but we don't have to let them get us down. There's a way. Well, and even if even if they get us down for a time, at some point, we get to make that choice to say, "Okay, I've got to step out. I got to step up." Right. Exactly. And I love what you've shared, Jeff. I think we've heard this with several guests, that connection to another person. Remember, again, Ellen Condi called them your SOS friends. Um, (laughs) If if it's somebody that you text, if it's somebody you go walking with, if it's someone you just call and maybe you can't even find words and you're just maybe sobbing on the phone or sitting on the couch with someone just being there with you. I think one of the key things I'm learning about resilience is I can only be as resilient as I let someone help me be. Someone else has got to be a part of that, whether it's a a family member or a friend. And I also love what you said about this. I use the word surrender, and that's pretty much what you're saying in terms of your faith in Jesus Christ. You're surrendering this trial to him. I, I wrote down a few minutes ago when you said that you found yourself praying, take this trial from me. Now, most of us would think, take this trial from me, take away my blindness, give me back my sight. Yeah. And yet you found peace even still having the physical trial and the trial that was taken was the burden of the anger and and the resentment or, or whatever those emotions were. And I think that's such a great principle of resilience is that kind of surrendering what we can't fix or what we can't change or control. And that doesn't necessarily mean that just because I surrendered it now, everything's perfect or 100%. I have... I have yep. perfect health yeah. now and I have all the money right. I need and I got my job back if that was my loss. But I love that you pointed out just now that that is a choice you make every day. Every day yeah. you give that over to to your faith. Yeah. Every week you're you're finding your faith, your connection. Every day you're walking with that friend. It's not just the, you know, almost 20 years ago when you went blind, you struggled and then you found the light and now you're happy forever. It's a daily repeated choice. And I think that's what the relentless part of resilience is. Absolutely. Every day. Every day. There you go. And it's work. It's work. It's so powerful. And it works. It's work that works. Not surrender to to the dark side. Right. It would be easy to do that, wouldn't it? Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. And um, when we come back, we're going to finish up talking to you about um, just this resiliency, this You are the poster child for our podcast, the relentless resiliency that you are. Can we make a poster, Jeff? Can we have a photo shoot after this? We'll be right back. And we're back with Jeff Smith. Jeff, it's been so good to to talk to you. And, you know, you have been such a strength to me and... um, you know, there's periods of time where we don't talk for a while, but then when we do, it's like we pick it up like nothing's... It's like there's no time in between. No right? time in between. And I love that yeah. about our relationship. You're you're one of the handful of people in my life that, that are very much like that. It doesn't matter the time or space between us. Um, whenever we're together, it's like we've just always been. And I love that about you. 
Um, I, I want to acknowledge the fact that this was a huge experience in your life, losing your eyesight as a grown man and the challenges that that created in your family's life and your relationship with your wife in, in that of your children, I'm sure. And, um, and, and the personal struggle that you had with it. But I, I just wanted to acknowledge that you really are all of these things. You, you don't complain. You're super positive. It's why you're one of my go-to people when I'm like, I, I think I'm on the way out. <laughs> you, you know, I'm like, I know if I talk to Jeff, I can tell him what's really going on. He's not going to judge me and he's going to, he, I'm going to get off the phone and I'm going to feel like I, I can live another day. I can take another step. I can, you know, I can keep moving on. And we so thank you for that. Just the other night like that. Yeah, yes, we did. And I appreciate it so much. Um, but I want to acknowledge for those listening, you know, someone might listen to this and go, well, you know, he lost his eyesight, but, you know, he he probably has a great support system or this or that or, or other things or, or not any other struggles. But I happen to know you personally. We don't have to get into the, those items, but... Um, I, I know that you've had some real losses and some real struggles, long-term struggles uh, that went on for years that were really difficult to deal with in and of themselves. Yes. Um, I'll just briefly share a little bit about that. Uh, my sweet Mardine and I, for our first child was a son. He was born in 1977, and he was such a joy to us. But at about age 20, he started drinking. He got in with the wrong group of guys. He started drinking. And it just went downhill from there. He became an alcoholic. Um, He just kept getting worse and worse over the years. And uh, about, well, I don't know, three to four years ago, it really started getting bad with him. He developed diabetes as, as well as his alcoholism. He uh, went to two or well, three different inpatient uh, programs for alcohol abuse. He attended AA meetings sometimes, a little bit here and there, but it wasn't none of it was none of it helped him. None of it helped him at all. He just kept getting worse, more and more sick. Uh, we had him in and out of the hospital numerous times, probably two dozen times. Uh, he would go into the hospital. He'd be in there for two or three days, and sometimes even longer. But uh, a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, on March 11th, he passed away. Oh, Jeff, I'm so sorry. I had not known that. Yeah, we, we had taken him to the hospital one night. We thought it would just be the, uh, the normal kind of routine. We'd take him, they'd, they'd work on him, treat him, and so forth. He'd come home in a couple of days. But after we got him up there, the doctors and nurses and so forth called us back the next day, and they said, you better, you better get here. We didn't understand exactly what, what was happening, but we got there just, well, we never, we never got to see him uh, conscious again. He passed away later that day in the hospital. Um, so, but again, uh, 
it's hard to lose a loved one. Yeah. And, uh, but I kind of have a different take on, on death and losing someone. I'm happy for the person that died. Uh, and please don't get angry at me for saying that, Jenny and Michelle. Oh, yeah. It, listen, we, we know, both feel the same way. You mean. <laughs> I'm sometimes uh, mad at Brent. He's I'm the one happy that got to go when I'm stuck here. He's passed on from this life. Uh, it, it was a struggle for him. He was not happy. He was miserable. And his body was racked, completely racked with it. Just sickness. And I'm more sad for me and my sweet Mardine and our other kids and grandkids. We don't have Tally around anymore. To, he was a carpenter. And, uh, uh, oh, he was awesome. He could build and fix and do <laughs> everything. He was really talented. But, yeah, he was our plumber. He was our electrician. He was our carpenter. He was floor, did flooring. I mean, you name it. Concrete. Even built log homes. I mean, we relied on him a lot to keep our home up, you know, updated and maintained so far. There's not a day that goes by. And he, he actually remodeled our entire upstairs of our home about four, about five years ago now. And so everything in this house reminds us of him. His ashes are sitting right here next to me hmm. right now. Wow. And I think of him, of course, daily and miss him. But I'm more sad for me that I don't have him here. But that's selfish of me to think that way. So. No, I think that's perfectly no, we, understandable. Yeah, and we both understand that. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, John suffered a, a great deal in his last couple of years. I, I, I celebrated over his body. I literally was on my knees screaming, "You made it, baby! You made it!" I. Yeah. It was a celebration when he finally passed. It was a really yeah. difficult ten days before he left us. So. Um, you know, I think that we get it. There's no need to apologize. And look, we all feel about things the way that we do. There's no right or wrong about this. It's just our own experiences. Um, yeah. And I think that that's why we, we all have to deal with it in our, in our own way. Right. Yep. And, you know, I, I think that that's the value of having a, a variety of people on here and having these conversations, you know, not everybody feels the way about death that I do. And I understand that. And not everyone feels about the afterlife in the way that I do, and that's okay. Um, and and yeah, I mean, there's you, you don't need to apologize for for feeling the freedom for him to be out of a body racked with um, the plague of addiction, the disease of yeah. addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, right, Jeff? I'm so, just gonna I'm just gonna jump here and say you are the epitome of everything. Michelle is always so quick to point out, and we say it at the end of each episode of. You have no idea what other people are going through in their lives. I mean, here I am sitting here. I've never met you. I knew that you had lost your sight. Michelle let me know she had this guest coming on. I was really intrigued by your story of losing that sight and the loss with that. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to wrap this episode up and we're done. And then bam, you've got this entire other story and you probably have a dozen other other stories. And that's true for all of us. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we get kind of pigeonholed into, oh, you're the you're the man who's blind or you're the widow who buried a husband or you're the mom that lost a child. And those things are big and huge. And yet they're just a piece of who we are. And so yeah, I go exactly. back to your axiom yeah. that you said, in addition to not complaining and being positive and not living in the past, I love your number four. I do too. Give people, people a break. break. You know why? Because <laughs> yes. you have no idea that the blind right. man also buried his son a year ago. 
Yeah. And you have yeah. no idea what else that person at the grocery store or the guy who just cut you off on the freeway or your friend who just refuses to call you back because you have no idea what else they might be facing or struggling with in addition to what you do know they're struggling with. Mm-hmm. So I just want to thank you for, like Michelle said, you are the poster child here of Relentless Resilience yeah. and and proving to, so. reminding all of, of us. Reminding all of us that resilience is a choice. Yeah. It's an exercise. It's a day-to-day thing. It requires other people to help us make it happen. Like you said, the friend that you walk with or the other support that you have in your faith. And yet, above all, man, just give people a break. Give yourself a break. Uh, Give the people around you a break. Give your loved ones and your enemies a break. Because we're all dealing with more than the eye can tell. And your story today really hit that home. And I'm just grateful for you and, and how positive you are. I had no idea that less than one year ago, almost to the day of this recording, you buried a son who struggled with addiction. It happened to be that very day, very same day that uh, the NBA shut down. Yeah, the uh, the pandemic officially hit us. was tested positive. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, and yet you're still so positive. I can hear the joy in your voice. That's incredible, Jeff. He he is. And I've known Jeff for about six years now. And and so I I learned about his story with his son over time. Um, And and even during all of that, there's still this just relentless resilience to Jeff that is inspiring. And, you know, once again, it's it's the people that I've met in my life that have taught me so much about getting up and, and going another day, not giving yeah. up. And isn't, isn't that the, the beauty of life, Michelle and Jenny? It's, I it's think other people. I think so. It's I th- people. Connection. It's, we're all, yeah. we, we, we're connected with each other. Which we, we need which, each other. Absolutely. We, which is we, kind of where I was going when I, I had brought up that, you know, it'd be easy to feel like we're all going to hell with all of this division that we hear about and talk about in the media pushes, pushes, pushes. But the reality is, is that there, there's so much good in the world, Yes, but you have to look for it because right. it's not being fed to you in the way the negative stuff is being you fed. Have to I just put finally those decided I have to turn it all off. I, I have to turn out the news and right. everything. Yep. I, 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 don't, I don't need that negativity. Absolutely. In my life. I want to be positive. Like I said, I'm a positive person. Yep. And listening to the, the news nowadays is not positive to me. <laughs> so, yeah. but, you know, I just want to say before we wrap this up, everybody out there, please don't ever take, number one, don't take your sight for granted. I took my sight for granted for a long time until I didn't have it. But it's one of the greatest blessings of life when you can see what's going on around you. Absolutely. You know what? Every day. You know, um, John only had one eye. And, um, yeah, I, do. I know that. Yeah. And he so, didn't let that bother you, no? No, he didn't. But I, I just want to, on that point, for people, because it's hard to appreciate sometimes things until we don't have them. But right. what we did with our kids one time is we taped over one of their eyes so that they could walk <laughs> into walls and feel like what it felt like to be dad when he lost his eyesight. He lost his eye at, at seven, his eyesight at seven years old. But, um, you know, because he doesn't, he didn't have that depth perfect, uh, perception. He didn't have the ability to sometimes see where his body was because you have to adjust your head when you only have that one eye. And so, you know, if you really want to maybe take an appreciation, go enjoy the sunset, but put a blindfold on. And there you go. 
you know? There you go. And, yeah. um, and I told people that from time to time. Just try putting a blindfold on in your house even. Yeah. And walk around and see how you do. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, I can do it now, of course, because I know where everything is in my house. And that's one thing about blind blindness and blind people. We don't like things to be moved. Right. <laughs> we have to have everything in its place where we left it. And sometimes, you know, people do move things away around or whatever. But I'm, I, and, and we don't like changes. We like to keep things the same and have everything in the same place and we can find everything. And, yeah. Uh, there are a lot of adaptations you have to go through when you're blind. Yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being on today. We really appreciate having you. Um, I, I could spend hours talking to you. We do when we usually talk. Um, yeah. I, I really appreciate you being on. Thank, well, thank you so you. much. I love you too. You two ladies are awesome. Jenny, your children are so blessed to have you as their mother. <laughs> I'm going to let you tell them that over and over again, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'm going to say hey. Hey, this guy said you guys should be grateful for me. I'll just remind you. That's them. right. And if they need me to tell them in person, please let me know. I'll come up there and talk to them. Well, there um, you have a recorded you're, podcast, Jenny. You you're can just play be, in the car. It's going to be big trouble if you come to my house because nothing is where it should be and everything's oh. been moved out of place. I promise you that. there's a lot that. of things on the floor. Sometimes smoothies, right? Oh, don't even. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your positivity. Like I said, we can hear it in your voice. To know that you've faced a lifetime full of challenges and struggles, and yet you find it in yourself every day to make sure those glasses are in place. Not that you're ignoring the hardship, but that you're pushing through. And and on behalf of all of our listeners, we thank you for joining us. To our listeners, we hope you've enjoyed hearing what we've shared today, what Jeff's uh, been able to share. We invite you to subscribe for free to the podcast. And if you like what you've heard, give us a rating and a review. And if you or someone you know has a real story about real life you're willing to share, please send us an email at rrpodcast at ksl.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Relentlessly Resilient. Remember, whatever you do today, remember to be kind. You have no idea the struggles other people are dealing with in their lives. Thank you. See you next time.